How are you? Como va tu? Como estai? Ni hao. Wie geht's? Genki? You're right. That's how they say it here in London. <laughs> we hear we hear these words every day. Yeah, they're casual greetings. And yet we know, we feel that they all carry the same foundation. Salud. We cheer at the foundation of health. We cheer at being well. It's been like this for hundreds of years and more. The signs of caring, of well-being are in the language. Yasu, that's Greek. Ia, health. Yasu, to your health. Those words have become habits. We sometimes say them automatically. But we welcome them. Genuinely welcome. Marhaba. In the past year, what we've experienced was very unusual. It was the first truly global event, and one that shook us to the core, the core of what it means to be well. Being apart from each other, we felt that saying those words, how are you, carried more. They became heavier, for we truly cared. We were anxious about our loved ones, and they were also lighter, for they offered us a smile. A virtual one, maybe, but still that human connection many of us thrive for. The way we greet, that's the super long view, the hundreds of years where our words, our norms, our habits, cultures were formed. In the pandemic times, it's a shorter view, one year coming to two and more now, but years unlike any other. And between these two horizons, the long and the short, is where sits the question of well-being. It's one question that has always been with us, but it's one question that is now accelerated. You know, it felt to me that before the pandemic, well-being was a trend, something you know that becomes more important in companies and corporates. But well-being was always beyond the trend. It's always been with us, as I told you. It's, it's not new. Maybe it's rejuvenated in the most unexpected of circumstances. You know, well-being is the self. It's the self and health. It's how we feel, our mental health, our balance, our happiness. It's something we cannot always well define, but we know it. Well-being is the self and the group, the people who surround us, the family, the community, the people at work, the people in public transport or in a cafe, the dynamics of others that reflect back on us and how we reflect back on them. Well-being is the self and the place, the home, the faraway places we, we visit or work, the workplace, how the workplace is designed, our work itself is organized or the environment it is and how it empowers us or not. Well-being is a self and the city, how we feel in that city, the place of our birth or one we chose. It's how, it's how the city lives and breathes and feels. We all have our favorite cities for a reason, well-being. Well-being is the self and the environment. It's a self, it's a self in its globality. It's beyond what we see. It's climate change and its impact on our health, on our cities, on our seas, and the quality of the air we breathe. Well-being is the anxiety towards a future, a future for next generations we haven't even met yet because they're not even born yet. Well-being is personal, almost intimate, but it's also shared and global. It surrounds us. It's daily routines and instants, but it's also immense and universal. It's everywhere. It's everyone and it's everything. Well-being, it's yesterday, it's now, it's tomorrow and in 10 years and in 100 years. How are you? Como esta? We say these words casually. Well-being isn't casual. It should never have been. We now know better. 
Well-being is arguably one of the biggest challenges of our human race, for it touches everything, and for we all feel that everything is connected back to us, back to well-being, back to nature, and that everything starts from well-being. So where does well-being go from here, from now then? Where do we go from here and now then? Let's start with what we've got. Yes, I know, we all admire grand plans and big frameworks and designs. They are important. We know, for instance, we could have, you know, and we should have fully connected healthcare with IoT or a rethink of what the office actually is. But those will take time. What have we got today? What we've got is a timid awakening by public policy, by corporates, that this is a necessity. So let's leverage the places where the awakening is existing. Let's make sure it's not a box-checking exercise. Let's start with what we've got. And let's be careful. Well-being is not, for instance, a corporate subscription to an app for employees. I mean, that's a start, but it's way more. It's reshaping cultures, empower employees, not just saying those words on a you know, poster with values that was made by marketing. Uh, it's including everyone into the process. It's looking into the mirror and admitting that we're doing it wrong. After all, the pandemic was a great time for introspection, to reassess who we really are together. We cannot put the omen of well-being on only to the individual. You're not going to solve happiness and well-being with a meditation app. Well-being is understanding that we all have different needs and wants, that the stories of our lives are all different and our health are all different. Well-being is the choices we make. We give time off for maternity or for childcare, and I love it. But what about time off for miscarriage? What about time off for elderly care? Our societies are aging. We will need to take care of the elderly, of our parents, grandparents. We will need, we will need that time. Well-being is not making a simplistic choice between working from home or working from anywhere or working in the office. It's about flexibility. It's about choice. The best talent will co-opt companies who give them that flexible choice. And you want the best talent, right? Why is it that we still use ancient work habits, eight hours a day? I mean, that's based on factories, you know, three times eight hours shifts, or that we pay once a month. I mean, payroll systems have evolved, you know, they're modern now. You can be paid once a day. So work hasn't entered the 21st century, I feel, because old habits die hard and we need new habits. We need well-being habits. Well-being is not only implementing smart city solutions. Yes, it's great. Let's get the pulse of our cities. Let's get the data. Let's understand what actually happens on the ground. But it's, again, way more. It's accepting, for instance, that the car culture isn't working anymore. You add more traffic lanes and there's more traffic. And, and an electric car, well, takes the same place as a petrol one. That's the same problem. It's getting smart then about making the place, making the cities livable, workable, you know, walk, walkable, breathable, putting the, the human back into its center. 15-minute cities, 5-minute cities, cities of well-being. It don't tell me that's not possible. I mean, look at Amsterdam, how it's changed from the 70s to today. It is possible to change. Well-being is a choice. Well-being is daily habits, daily habits of countries, daily habits of cities, daily habits of companies, of individuals. Well-being is a culture. And a culture is what you do with not when no one is looking. Not what you say you do. Well-being lives in what you do when no one is looking. When I used to, to live in Tokyo, I encountered the, 
uh, the word ikigai, you know, this balance of the self with the world. And, and we tend to misunderstand it. We, we have an obsession again here with major framework, and we think that ikigai is a framework. No, it's not a grandiose master plan. It's a little ritual. It's in communion with yourself and others. It's checking up on yourself and others. How are you doing today? Are you, do you have ikigai? Are you feeling well? How is your well-being today? And perhaps more important to me, Japan put a word into something I always felt I couldn't describe. That word is wabi-sabi. The appreciation of things that aren't perfect. They're rough or asymmetrical. The appreciation basically of what nature has to bring. And well-being needs to be an acceptance of imperfection. We need to embrace uncertainty. We need to embrace imperfection. We need to embrace discomfort. The, the pandemic has shown us that we often want easy answers or convenient solutions, and they didn't work. And of course we want them because, you know, the history of technology he is the history of convenience. After all, right? You press one button and there's a car. You press one button and you have a loft in New York. Well, well-being isn't one button. We need to get comfortable with discomfort. We need to teach ourselves and our kids that we will fail, that we will make mistakes, that the world will keep being complex. Well-being starts with that acceptance. The role, the road is difficult and imprevisible. Wabi-sabi, nature in its simplicity. Simplicity is not the same word as simplistic. Well-being isn't simplistic. Well-being can be simple, elegant, but it cannot it can never be answered by simplistic solutions. How are you? That's simple, elegant. And how are you then? I know you care since you're here today. So let me tell you that I need you. We need you. We need heroes, people like you, who understand or at least feel that well-being is one of the most important topics for the future, as it was yesterday and as it will be tomorrow. We need heroes like you who will carry that message around, will insist or even fight for well-being to be at the center and at the margins. How are you has to go back to its original meaning. And you are the heroes of that story. My well-being, my ikigai depends on you. So, how are you? I hope you're well. Thank you.